This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Breaking news this afternoon, Liverpool's game with Manchester United postponed due to security breaches at Old Trafford. Two weeks on from the launch of the European Super League, whilst it may have lasted less than 48 hours, the fallout and anger still very much alive. Welcome to the Blood Red channel, I'm Guy Clark and following the announcement at Old Trafford, we're here with a special offering as we react to the news. Our chief Liverpool writer Ian Doyle at Old Trafford and sat in his car. Doyle, it's, uh, it's been some day. Yeah, it has. Uh, we kind of knew that there was going to be some kind of protest. Nobody knew how it was going to pan out. Um, but it quite clearly, it looks as though the authorities weren't prepared properly, whether that's Manchester United security, whether that's the police, whether that's a combination of, of both of them. They haven't really expected what has happened. And, you know, t- to be perfectly honest, I was driving into the, uh, I was driving to Manchester and when I was just getting near to the ground, I was getting messages of people saying, oh, you'll have to turn around and stuff like this. And I was like, well, what's this about? And obviously when I parked up, I saw I saw the, the images and the clips of the fans on the pitch. And when we get to a stadium, certainly in the times of uh, where basically we're playing behind closed doors, Guy, you'll know, we have to, we're only really allowed to, certainly the, the written journalists are only allowed to be there for an hour and a half beforehand, but normally we get that in then. So I got here for about quarter to three. I uh, picked up my accreditation and wandered over to just over to actually to my right. The ground is over there. Um, the corner where we go in, which is near the uh, where the coaches park, the team coaches. And they weren't letting us in. And that was three o'clock and people were congregating and going, well, what, what's happening? And to be perfectly honest, we didn't really have a lot of information because there was <laughs> with it having coincided with a social media blackout for for very good reasons for for quite a lot of uh, media outlets, including our own. It was quite difficult to ascertain what exactly what was, was going on, but we were getting messages from stewards that were there, from from other journalists, from media. And it wasn't just the, the British media. There was media, it being Liverpool and Manchester United, it's a massive game. There were media from Brazil, media from from France, from, from many different countries. So they were there and we were just hearing bits and bobs. And ultimately, in the end, we were hearing about, you saw the clips of the, the fans were on the pitch. They were, you know, minute a ball got brought out they were uh, taking shots at goal and having a game of football and taking penalties you know practicing for Manchester United that's what they do um but more seriously was that certainly we've I've seen pictures I, I don't as I say I don't know whether what people have seen but I've seen pictures of uh, television cameras the lenses being smashed I've seen clips of obviously corner flags have been you can't attack a corner flag but you know obviously that they've, they've, they've been onto that uh, there were suggestions that the players sorry that the um Suggestions that some of the fans had got into the home dressing room at Old Trafford, but that's since been denied or certainly hasn't been confirmed. Uh, but what we do, what I can definitely confirm is that some of the broadcasters who were already inside Old Trafford, they were kind of not so much locked in, but they were locked into, they were put into rooms, basically kept safe for their own good because there was this fear of the fans were going to get into the actual, you know, the, the inner workings of the stadium itself. I don't know whether or not they did. I'm not entirely sure, but what I can say is that. As the media, when we were out, when we were outside, we were then told to go behind some barriers and wait there. And the reason for that is that coming around the ground, there were certain groups of fans who had obviously been inside the stadium and been taken away. Uh, and they all looked kind of, you know, they, they, they look, I wouldn't, they look, I wouldn't say cocky, but they, you know, they were smiling. I mean, to be perfectly honest, one of them had like I think it was a Tesco bag. It's like he'd gone and done his shopping, and then he said, "I'm going to pop into Old Trafford now and run on the pitch and something like that." So there's that, and then. 
once that kind of settles down, then we're, we're stood around going, well, what, what's happening with the game? And then, as you know, there was the discussions of, between the clubs and the, and the Premier League about what was going to happen. And the longer that it went on, the more you realised that perhaps this game isn't going to take place uh, take place today. Uh, partly because there's another Premier League game on tonight, isn't there? Is it Tottenham against Sheffield United? Sheffield United, that yeah, that's correct, yeah. yeah. So Sky, I think, we're broadcasting that. Sky Sports, obviously, we're meant to be broadcasting this particular game. And really, then it became obvious that they couldn't play the game today. I mean, again, this is not confirmed. We've heard from a number of people, certainly talking amongst the media, that part of the reason that they couldn't guarantee that the game could go on today is that, and I don't know whether this has been confirmed since um, or denied, but part of the reason the suggestion was is that where the fans got in, they've damaged it. And that area needs to be fixed because of because of this whole security over the coronavirus and and the red zone, which is the zone where this is the pitch and the the pitch and the uh, kind of the dressing rooms and around the pitch, which are areas where the only people who are allowed in, for example, I'm not allowed in there. The only people who are allowed in are people who uh, are part of the you know the, the, the regular testing who've been tested, who've made sure that they're tested negative, such as the footballers. That's why they have these tests uh, twice a week. Um, so the fans have been there, and. They got into that and the, the entrance that they come into has been damaged and they can't fix it in time. And the only way they could have actually had the game go ahead is they'd had to form. This is the suggestion. This hasn't been confirmed is a, a human shield. And needless to say, nobody wanted to do that. And so the game's been, uh, game's been postponed and that, and we don't know when the game's going to be played. And I'm sure you'll ask me in a minute, when can it be played? We'll, we'll we'll get on to that in a bit, yeah. But we've got a couple of statements to read out. The Premier League mm. first up say, following the security breach at Old Trafford, the Manchester United v Liverpool game has been postponed. It's a collective decision from the police, both clubs, the Premier League and local authorities. The security and safety of everyone at Old Trafford remains of paramount importance. We understand and respect the strength of feeling, but condemn all acts of violence, criminal damage and trespass, especially given the associated COVID-19 breaches, as you were mentioning there, Doily. Fans have many channels by which to make their views known, but the actions of a minority seen today have no justification. We sympathise with the police and the stewards who had to deal with a dangerous situation that should have no place in football. The rearrangement of the fixture will be communicated in due course. But the whole thing, Doily, is born out of the the greed, I suppose, of the European Super League. And I'm pleased to say that our Liverpool correspondent, Paul Gorst, is here with us as well. Gorsty, I'll, I'll actually come to you, mate. What do you make of all of this today? Well, uh, to be perfectly honest, as long as everything is peaceful and, and all above board and, and there's no need for police involvement, then I think you've made a, a very good statement. Um, now, whether, whether that was the case, it does seem as though it was largely... Peaceful. I, I did see a couple of images that were a little bit unsavoury, but largely everything was done in a peaceful manner and uh, it had a really big point to it. So, um, honestly, um, I can say that I'm, I probably agree with the statement that they've made. They've waited for Liverpool at Manchester United, the biggest fixture in English football, the one that's probably alongside our Classical was the most watched fixture in, in world football. So, They've uh, they've waited for the viewing figures to come in, and then they've made the, the statements that um, the disillusioned with the owners of the the club, the Glazers, who've been around fifteen years or so at Old Trafford, and, and they've never liked them. To be fair, they, they, they've they've got so many issues with with those as owners of their club, um, and obviously the Super League idea was the final straw, the, the, the one that broke the camel's back. So, um, yeah, good on them. To be honest. Um, 
in terms of making that point. Obviously, what I want to say there, you have to caveat that with anything that was over the line um, shouldn't be happening, and, and that is unfortunate. And hopefully, the authorities will deal with that in, in the right way. But generally, this was a, there's a point that needed to be made because the owners of United and you know to a, 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 perhaps a smaller extent Liverpool. The Glazers, are, whatever they're, they're based, is in Florida, and, and Liverpool's owners are in Boston. So, Liverpool fans and Manu fans can can moan to the blue in the face, but not a lot seems to change. But this one is something where they're going to have to look at it now because the fans have got this power to um, call off the biggest game in, in the Premier League. Then they're going to have to be listened to a little bit more, aren't they? So, hopefully, if something comes of it, and and this is perhaps a, a watershed moment and a bit of a catalyst for the mobilisation of supporters across the country, then, yeah, it'll be something that um, was well worth it. Um, I just hope that is the case. If not, then it was a massive waste of time and, and Doyle's gone up to Old Trafford for no reason. Yeah, and he'll have to go again for whenever the game is rescheduled. Yeah. The words off my lips there, though, in terms of it being a watershed moment, perhaps, and I suppose it really does hammer home the point across to the Glazers and maybe even FSG as well, Doyle, that the fans now are, I suppose, very literally fighting back well I don't think this has got anything to do with the Super League this is just to do with Manchester United fans and the Glazers if we're being perfectly honest they didn't have sign up where we where we drive in there were fans outside and we were kind of delayed from driving into where, to where we park and they had signs up saying anti-Glazer stuff it wasn't wasn't any anti-Super League stuff I mean I don't know what it was like on the other side of the ground because the other side of the stadium which I don't know if you don't if, if you know for people who've been to Old Trafford I'm pretty sure it's not the north, it's not the Alex Ferguson stand. It might be the, it's the old Stretford end, I think, right, that end. I don't know for sure, to be honest. But it's the opposite end to where we were, and that's where all the fans were congregating. So I understand what Gorsley's saying in terms of um, the protest. But the worry is, is that obviously they've broken into a football stadium. And I know I know we've come full circle, haven't we? Like now we, now people are complaining that fans are in a stadium. Where we've had, you know, we've had 13, 14 months of them not being in, so... I think it's it will be okay, right? It is a slight concern that they've managed, and I know it's all all based on not okay, not real, not normal circumstances with the, obviously with COVID and the coronavirus and all the restrictions that happen at the moment. So I'm pretty sure if they'd have gone in on a, on a normal day, and they'd have been taken out immediately, and the game would have gone on as normal. It's, be, it's the, I think it's partly due to the coronavirus restrictions that the game has been has been postponed. But if fans can get in and just and postpone games, and that is that's that can't be good. That can't be good. No matter what your point is, no matter how much you agree with the point. I mean, as I say, I've seen the pictures, I've seen the the, the clips, I've seen the footage, and as Gorsi said, there was one or two bits that looked kind of unsavoury. That's always going to happen. I do believe that m- most of the people who turned up did it peacefully. Had a point to make. I think the people who got onto the pitch were opportunists who wanted a chance to get on the or imagine one or two or three of them got through and then the rest of them went let's get on let's get on the pitch because they brought a ball like yeah. so the obviously had the had it planned to that to a certain degree and instead of protesting what a surprise it, it was a serious point at first where they had the flares and everything and then they ended up kicking a ball around you know which is let's be perfectly honest if we were on the pitch that's exactly what we'd do but we were not the ones who were, who were making a protest so in that sense it kind of lost it a little bit but the the other thing for me and this is a just to, as, as a general point, as I mentioned before about the fact that it was hard to find information out because of the social media um, 
social media blackout by our company and other, and other media outlets and all the football clubs is that, that what's the reason that that wasn't happen, that that's happening and we know what the reason for that was and the, the worry is that that's now going to get lost because we're going to be talking about this instead and what's more important yeah. stopping forget online hate stopping hateful stop and stopping racism discrimination or a, a group of fans no matter what the club is being a bit upset because their owners aren't putting as much money in as perhaps they should be now, I'm sorry, but as far as I'm concerned, you know, the former is far more important than the latter. It doesn't matter that it's Manchester United or Liverpool or whoever. So that is a concern. And let's be honest, we're doing this podcast now because the actual story itself is such a massive story that Liverpool and Manchester United's game at Old Trafford has been has been called off. You know, we're journalists. We know what a massive story is. But the, the, my concern is that the message of this whole weekend, of this bank holiday weekend of four days, is going to get lost because of, of what's happened here through... Fans who, while as Gorst is right in saying that they've made a very good point and they've shown action, you know, fans fans have shown over the last couple of weeks that their voice actually is important and can be heard and is being heard. Is that sometimes they take a little bit too far, and in the case of the certainly the ones that got into the stadium and were on the pitch, they have taken it too far because they have, whether they realise it or not, they have. If the game had gone ahead, they would have endangered the players, and I'm pretty sure they didn't want to do that because they just, they just weren't thinking. So in that sense, not such a great day, but we know what the, you know, the banner headlines will be that the game's off. And that's what, I'm, and fan power, did, fan power did that. And that's what, you know, that's that, that's what can happen. But as I said before, if, if it had been a normal game and the big full house, there's absolutely no way the game would have been postponed. No, definitely completely agree with what you say there about the, the, the blackout and everything as well. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. In terms of, obviously it is anti-Glazer, the, the protest and the reason why the game has ultimately been called off. But Gorsley, it, it is fed from the European Super League, isn't it? They've been there 16 years, there's been protests the whole time. But obviously this last year, they haven't been doing anything like storming a stadium. It's come since what was accelerated two weeks ago and all of a sudden maybe you've got the big six who may well still be waiting on punishment from the Premier League. Manchester United will probably get even more now for this whole episode, but it has all been exacerbated and borne out of that. Yeah, as I say, I think it's, this is just the, the straw that, that's broke the back, isn't it? You know, the, the uh, United fans kind of disgruntled Viewpoints of their owners is nothing new, but I think the um, the Super League step was, was one too far, and and the fans have thought that they're going to have to do something about the owners and, and really you know make a stand beyond just um, you know having a moan at them on, on social media or however else they, they can channel that frustration you know in, in this particular period that, that we're in. Um, we all know that the you know, had it been a normal game with fans in, then it would have been in terms of a protest. But by by you know chatting with the Glazers out on the stands or whatever it may be, but I think it's just a bit of everything, isn't it? Um, they, they haven't been allowed to to go into the ground to, to voice their concerns and, and their issues and so on. And I think um, a lot of owners have, have have got away with that. Actually, I think um, FSG would have seen quite you know a vociferous. Um, show against them against Newcastle um had fans been allowed in for that one but um yeah no I, I do agree with Doyley to be honest on, on that point about the uh, the idea of the blackout and its significance and importance kind of being overshadowed now by this massive huge developing story which, which is a shame um I don't think that was the, the plan of course from the, these fans but it's just you know the way that the 
the fixtures are falling and, and the way that this blackout has been planned and and um, hopefully that that isn't a message that gets lost because um it's been quite interesting you know just just having a, a quick look on social media and, and this massive story um and, and there's not too many tweets flying about which is um something that you you wouldn't normally see at all would you so um it, yeah it's just just unfortunate time i think on, on that one but um the, the United fans obviously felt that they had to make this point um, on, you know, this particular weekend. Regarding the the supporters, then their protests and I suppose ultimately what they want ownership change and everything. Doily, it's been spoken about for years that the Premier League will consume itself, the bubble will burst, TV companies won't be able to afford the fees they're paying for it. But have we reached a point now where the bubble has burst? Because if if not the Glazers at Manchester United or FSG at Liverpool, Stan Kroenke at Arsenal. It has to be another billionaire somewhere who's going to sign the checks, doesn't it? The whole idea maybe of sort of supporter ownership at this level just wouldn't work, would it? That's a that's a very deep question to ask a man who's still trying to get the feeling back in his hands from Stan Kroenke. <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> yeah. I, but, but on a serious point, yeah, that is just a, that's a way too big a question for this podcast. Let's be perfectly honest. We could be, we could do a, we could do a series of podcasts on that. Um, I think looking at it overall in terms of the, the the power from the fans, I think Gorsi's right, and I think part of the problem is the fact that they've not been in the grounds. Have they certainly United? Haven't yeah. United fans haven't been in. They haven't let it all for about for more than a year now. So I think there's a certain frustration that's been built up, and I think they can. Uh, some ways, it's kind of a barometer of what might be coming. You do wonder what's going to happen at, at, at United, which makes me think they, they will not want to. Um, weirdly, I think they'll want to. They'll want to rearrange the game as soon as possible, preferably tomorrow. Would have thought rather than have it go on later in the season, where you could have fans inside the ground, which I know sounds absolutely ridiculous, given everything that's happened. But I think this is one game where, and I think the fact that it's Liverpool. Let's be honest, we're talking about Manchester United here. Well, it's the Liverpool podcast and we're talking about Manchester United and the actions of their fans, but it kind of relates to Liverpool in the sense, as Ghosty said, that it could easily have been not Liverpool fans doing that, but the kind of the same, if it was about the Super League, the kind of the, the same kind of worries and concerns. And, well, and, you and think, that. I suppose ultimately you think, Doyle, just, sorry, just when fans are back in the ground, if they're breaking into stadiums when no one's in the ground, when you've got a full house in, all of a sudden, I mean, we see pitch invasions at the end of seasons when teams sort of stay up or go or you know, get promoted or whatever it be. But who's to say that fans wouldn't all of a I, sudden? I don't. I don't think that'll happen because let's be perfectly honest. They got into the stadium. It's not like they're going to run up into the stands and sit down, is it? You know, I think. I think if they're already in there and they're already in there and they're already in the seats and they're already got the the messages and they've got the banners and they've got the songs, I think that can make an make an important point as well because what we've learned. I mean. As the Liverpool Echo, we've always we've always voiced what the fans have thought, and I think most regional uh, news outlets do that. But I think there'll be more focus on it now, simply because well, two reasons: one, they haven't been in the stadium for for so long, and the second one, because quite clearly, there's quite a lot that they want, they actually want to get off the chest and and say over things that have been happening in football over the past couple of years, uh, over the past year or so. So, I do think that's going to be interesting. That's what, and as I say, that's what makes me think they'll rearrange this game for as early as possible because they won't want this to linger over this fixture for uh, for as long as it can. Because as, as Gorsi said, I don't think it's a coincidence that 
the, you know, the fact that the blackout is a coincidence this weekend, but I don't think the fact that it's the, the game against Liverpool that they've chosen to make a massive protest is a coincidence because for United, for Liverpool, it's the biggest game of the season. So, and for the, and for the broadcasters, so all eyes were on this. That's why that's why there's been such an interest in it and, and the way that this 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 story's gone. So, I think, as I said, the main the main thing to take from it is that fans now actually do think, well, they don't think they know that they've got a voice. They know that they can be heard, but I think they have to be very careful. Certainly, the ones from Manchester United of, of doing it the right way. For example, they might. They might have certain sympathies from most people for what's happened today, but if they do it again next week yeah. and get into the pit, they're like, hang on, all right, no. So I do think in that sense, I know you asked me before about whether it's like a kind of a watershed moment of fan ownership. Don't know about that, but I certainly know that it's, it's possibly a, 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 a watershed moment in terms of the actions of fans and what we can expect activism to be when the grounds open up again. Yeah, no, definitely. And you, you, when you jumped on, Gorsi was sort of saying that actually they, they've done this, but it has to be an isolated one-off occasion that they, they do this and they've chosen the biggest game of all. Just bring it back to the football then before we wrap up and talking about that. I suppose in many ways it was a, it was a bigger game for Liverpool knowing that they needed to win following Chelsea's win yesterday to keep up their pursuit of a top four finish. United looked nailed on for that and into all but certain into the uh, Europa League final given their win in, in midweek. So I just wonder what disruption it's going to have to Liverpool, whether it's 24 hours or even longer that they've got to wait for this game to be rearranged. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? I think um, of everything that, that's been thrown at Liverpool this season, when you look at the, the injuries to key players and you look at the, um, the defeats, six straight defeats at Anfield, no fans in at all, uh, defeats against Everton at Anfield, first one since 1999, I think probably the um, the lowest moments would perhaps have been them beating Manchester United to give Manchester City the Premier League title. I think that in like a kind of perverse way would have been a new low for them. Um, but obviously, for their own ends, they've, they've got to go and win it, haven't they? So when it, whenever it is played, and um, still no idea when that's going to be, but um, it's one that they've just, got to, they've just got to go for it now, haven't they? They're still the seven points behind Chelsea now. They can obviously... Claw that back to 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 four with a win against United, but it's, uh, if any of the don't really enjoy going to, Jurgen Klopp's never won there, um, and won there since 2014 with under Brendan Rodgers. So whenever it's played, they're just going to have to to go for it again. And I was made up to see Matt Phillips, who was back on the team today. I was looking forward to him getting in the team and, and seeing Fabinho in midfield, but um, it wasn't to be. So fingers will be crossed that there are no new injury problems for whenever the, this game is replayed and. Um, hopefully we're talking about the football again yeah hopefully it's within 24 hours so there can't be it would be typical of Liverpool if the players because they were sat on the team coach for a bit too long picked up hamstring injuries yeah, yeah cramps or yeah something like that yeah uh, Dolly, just before you get kicked out of the car park there at Old Trafford, I suppose you probably got chapters stored away of a book you could write on Liverpool, how long you've been covering them. But this season is probably worth a book in its own, isn't it? How mad it's been, as, as Gorsley was saying before, the injuries, the obviously losing the run at Anfield over Everton. And and now this, it sort of seems to be mad chapter after mad chapter. Well, we was, when we were out there just over to the right, and we were all milling around. It was like, what on earth else can possibly happen this season? What can happen? What 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 else is going to happen? So, it, it's just been. I mean, about the frustrating thing for for me and for us here is that obviously as the as the media we weren't allowed in, so we you 
probably saw more of it than you know than than we did because we obviously we couldn't even see the television screens because we're not in the stadium. So we were. We, but you, you kind of get a suggest. You get you get a you get a feeling for something's not quite right here. And very early on, it was like, hmm, this isn't great. Um, but as I say, it is yet another chapter of absolute nonsense in the sense of not being not not being normal what people would expect the reason that it happened isn't nonsense at all it's the complete opposite yeah. but it's just another thing to just add to a season that, that the season overall has just been ridiculous and one that i'm just looking and thinking 21 days to go i think we're <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe no, it's not. It has to be. Just going on, going on about when the game can be played. United have got a midweek game next week that can't get moved because it's against Leicester, who are playing the FA Cup final at the weekend. Liverpool yep. and United both got midweek games after that. Then it's the end of the season on the Saturday, and then um, and then United would be well. Let's face it; they're going to be in the Europa League final, which is the week, which is the week after that. So if they want to play the game, they play the game practically in June. But the European Championships is going to be starting, and people are going. Players are going to be need to be called up for their for their teams. They did have a so random extension didn't they? in twenty sixteen. There was the security threat at Old Trafford against Bournemouth. Bournemouth. Game, but, yeah. but they didn't have a Europe. They didn't have a European final, and I think the European Championships was a little bit further further down the line. Plus, they could play yeah. it like a couple of days afterwards. So. No, no more games in empty stadiums in June, please. We've rather rather fill of those, haven't we? Last year, I think yeah, they've exactly. gone out, become the new Harchester United, haven't they? It's, it just seems to be season straight out of the dream team. Yeah, uh, good to finish. I'll be honest, three weeks. No, it has been absolutely mad. We'll stick with us here on Blood Red and, of course, across on the Liverpool Echo website, the live blog going there with all of the reaction and the latest news as it does come in. But from myself, Guy Clark, Ian Doyle and Paul Gorse, thanks for your time and your company here on Blood Red. It's bye for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.